And welcome to BiblioChat, brought to you by Biblioscoop.com. I'm your host, Forrest Hurlbut, and on this episode, we will be discussing compassion in warfare. And to me, war is interesting to study because it has existed for so long and has remained a staple of human existence. And today we are going to look at war and why it's such a vexing phenomenon. So to start this idea, I'd like to discuss some basic behaviors and instincts that exist in all humans and then relate to how these basic behaviors and instincts materialize themselves in the greater question of warfare. So two basic elements humans share is the ability to rationalize. Humans can make rational and reasonable decisions. And secondly, humans are naturally sympathetic and compassionate. In fact, in Darwin's book, The Descent of Man and Selection in Relation to Sex, he states, Sympathy will have been increased through natural selection for those communities which include the greatest number of the most sympathetic members would flourish best and rear the greatest number of offspring. So according to Darwin, our ability to show sympathy to others has been a key element to our survival. Where sympathy is a bodily and emotional guide, the other element of rationality is a more mental and analytical guide to our survival. And it's the combination of both elements that has led to our growth as a species. And so under the context of war, these two elements of rationality and compassion are contradicted. Under the context of war, killing another person shows a lack of rationality and a lack of compassion. And while the act of killing someone seems to demonstrate a lack of rationality and compassion, these natural instincts still shine through under the context of war. So for example, a U.S. infantry commander named Raymond Ganter wrote a memoir about his experiences in World War II. And he described an instance where, as the German soldiers grew desperate towards the end of the war, they started using anti-tank bazookas against the U.S. infantry. And he describes how insane it was that the German soldiers were doing this, that it was something he has never seen, and how completely unacceptable behavior it was. So what this shows is that in Raymond Ganter's eyes, using an anti-tank bazooka to kill someone is irrational, when the accepted norm of killing someone is with a rifle. But if the goal is the same, which is killing the enemy, does it make a difference in how this goal is reached? And this answer seems to be that yes, it does matter how you kill the enemy. Which in itself doesn't make sense, but it does. People would probably agree that shooting someone with a rifle is more rational and maybe even more sympathetic than killing someone with a bazooka. And so this highlights the contradictory nature of warfare and human behavior, where killing another person is the utmost example of a lack of sympathy and a lack of rationality. Yet humans demonstrate compassion and rationality in how soldiers decide to kill each other. And this is why codes and laws have developed that govern engagement in warfare. The Lieber Code was introduced after the American Civil War, which stipulated certain guidelines that were required to be followed in wartime. And this was the first instance of laws and regulations governing warfare. And the existence of laws in general is a reflection of the human instinct of rationality. There are accepted behavioral norms of living in a society, 
And if you break these norms, such as stealing or assaulting someone, you can be prosecuted. So the Libra Code is the same idea, where it's an attempt to enforce rational behavior. But under the context of war, where war is one of, if not the most chaotic and irrational environments humans can experience. So implementing laws in the event of war is very difficult. It's an attempt to implement rationality in a world of irrationality. And this idea relates to certain issues from World War I. At the Hague Convention of 1906, European nations used the Libra Code as a guide to introduce certain laws and regulations in warfare. One of the stipulations was the banning of poisonous gas, which was banned before the start of the war. This example highlights this issue where people are trying to implement rationality in a world of irrationality. The banning of mustard gas shows that there are reasonable forms of engagement, such as the use of rifles, grenades, and artillery, and there are unreasonable or irrational forms of engagement, such as the use of mustard gas. And mustard gas was considered an irrational weapon because it typically led to more permanent wounds, such as blindness and bodily burns, and wasn't even an effective way of ending someone's life. So the universal acceptance of poisonous gas as an illegal weapon was very reasonable. The Allied nations agreed to this, except for Germany, who used it anyway. Which leads us to another issue in warfare where even though certain nations can make agreements on how to rationally engage in warfare, it doesn't mean every country will. Amidst the chaos of war, there are some sides who try to be rational, and there's others such as Germany who take advantage of this chaos using weapons that cause brutal injuries. So we see this in the history of warfare, where one side acts in a rational and sympathetic manner in the way they engage the enemy, and the other side does not. In World War II, Japanese soldiers captured by U.S. troops were held in generally good conditions. There's a few exceptions, but for the most part, the U.S. Army was rational and sympathetic in their handling of prisoners, whereas U.S. and British soldiers in Japanese camps were starved and brutalized. This would show the U.S. as a more rational and sympathetic war participant, while for the most part I think this is true, the U.S. is also the first nation in the history of the world to use nuclear weapons. War is a vexing environment where our natural instincts of rationality and compassion come under conflict. War is a place that is irrational and is unsympathetic, yet sympathy and rationality is demonstrated in how soldiers fight each other. On the flip side, there are sides that fight irrationally, using mustard gas or using nuclear weapons. So I would like to conclude this episode by looking at the Christmas Truce of 1914, where on the Western Front of World War I, German and British troops agreed to a ceasefire for the Christmas holiday. Along with this ceasefire, the British and Germans crossed lines and even exchanged Christmas gifts with each other. This peaceful event points to a greater question of the existence of warfare. While these soldiers are required to kill each other, at the same time, they hold a natural compassion and sympathy for each other. Just being human connects them. They're even a similar age, most likely both sides are in their 20s and 30s. But unfortunately, another instinct humans share is greed, 
And unfortunately, it is this ugly behavior of human existence that brought together those German and British soldiers. Going to war is decided by a select few, and it is these select few who do not have to experience the pain and suffering of their greed. Instead, it is the young and healthy generation that has to suffer the consequences. This young generation does not hold any animosity or even hatred for the enemy. Instead, they enjoy celebrating Christmas with the enemy. Despite this rational and compassionate behavior, they are the ones that will die. <laughs>